ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty sure we're live. 4.28 p.m. Kenoka Park, California, Tulane Life Headquarters. One more time, had some technical difficulties, but it's all good. This episode is brought to you by Eagle Rider Motorcycle Rentals and Tours. Don't forget to check out TulaneLife.com under the Eagle Rider tab. Book a trip, save some money, have a good time. What's up, boys? But I think got? I just heard you say well, in your intro that it was 4.30. Boy, are we late. Right. Yeah. But I, I want to say, Jace, um, it's all because of you. You jacked all of our stuff last night. Then the <laughs> two of you drank a bunch of whiskey. Not good. Yeah. Not, not good. good at all. Jace came in here unplugging everything like a yeah, like you know, what the hell. The room was on fire and he had to get our equipment out. But so hey. who do we have in studio with this? I mean, this guy, um, I think we met him at the Harley 120th. Um uh, mm-hmm. was the first time we got uh, we'd seen your stuff. Did we uh, actually meet there? Yeah, we met him and, and Drew came up and introduced uh yeah. and then we, we did a really crazy thing in the in the mountains of Santa Fe, right? New Mexico. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the mountains can talk about that situation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you're with a bunch of people that are new with you in riding, right? So mm-hmm. we're always pretty cautious and we like to be up front because we think the front is a little faster. And and I'm sitting there watching you and I'm kind of going, Can this guy ride? And then all of a sudden we just Matt took off. <laughs> and I saw we saw an elbow drop. <laughs> I dropped. It was all bad. Uh, and then we had Dan up there with us. It was good. And, and they even said that the people in the, the group behind ours yeah. were actually saying they're kind of going a little bit too fast. Yeah, well. That was Detroit. Yeah. That yeah. was Detroit. Detroit saying yeah. he looked up there. He was like, nah, I can't keep up. I think Yokin said it too. No, Yokin was next to me well, pretty was much he? the whole ride. Oh, okay. And, and when we went the first, you know, when we went the first couple of curves, he yeah. looked at me and did like this. <laughs> See <you> later. Yeah. <laughs> so he did back. He was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before we get deep, you mm-hmm. got to go back and check our video drop from yesterday. It's 40 minutes long. We're in Julian, California. We have some good food, some apple pie, with some good riding. Really great video. Get back there and watch that. It's a great video. Jeremy's on the hill. We had the uh, owner chef come out and, and give us a great conversation. Uh, we put in what was probably eight minutes of his conversation. Um, yeah, about eight. All the days. He's, he's got know, a great cool story dude. and he likes marijuana. <laughs> he, <loves laughs> he did marijuana. say that. So get in there and check that video out. It's really awesome. We always love the support anyway, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then look, we're heading out tomorrow, maybe mid morning trying to get the Flagstaff. Um, I'm going to do a little ride for a few days, right? We haven't done that for, what, a month and a half. Yeah, and I'm excited because I know there's weather. Galen's been watching the weather, and, and we're tracking the roads. I think we're going to be okay, but it was really it's cold. today there. Yeah, so we're going to be in some cool weather, yeah. cold weather. No way. But we dig that. We're going to no bring way. that to you. I want to show you snowy roads and mountains, but, yeah. I lost feeling in my finger three years ago anyway. So right. We're- I'm good. Four years. <laughs> don't matter to you, huh? Yeah. You we fine. took him over Kit Carson Pass, uh-huh. and it was not supposed to snow, but it snowed, and it was freezing cold. And we had no gear. The no right rain gear. gear. To the point my legs were shaking so bad they were banging the tank. <laughs> well, we're in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. And up a there. trip. Yeah. I was hugging the motor pretty good. It was cold. And we see, were 10,000 above sea yeah. level. Yeah. yeah. And see, to us, that wasn't cold. That was just real nice, was right? Nice. And I couldn't breathe. Right. <laughs> I was in my room dying. I'm thinking I'm having a heart attack and I had to go down and get oxygen. altitude. The altitude was that was weird. We were up in the uh, um, Taos. And they had the and cans, they had of- cans of. Yeah, yeah I was walking around yeah. with a can of oxygen. 
<laughs> Pretty crazy. So, so normally when I give my intro, you know, I'll say the one and only. But when okay. I Google Fast Eddie, there, oh. there's like a lot of different Fast I Eddie. I there's some shooters Fast Eddie. There's some mm -hmm. riders Fast Eddie. So that's a good name to have. Yeah, I mean, one and only. I'm cool with that. We'll still, we'll still let it happen. So the one so, and only drag racing Harley ride. Yeah. Yes, so yes. it's drag racing. It's pro the pro stock. I did pro stock as well. Um, stunt riding quads. Stunt riding quads. So bagger you, drag racing. All right. Uh, I I raced in New Mexico as they call it before. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Have you wheelie the bagger? Oh yeah. Oh all right. <laughs> yeah. That's easy. And yet you won't ride in snow. No. I mean that's easy. That's not easy. <laughs> we won't we won't wheelie a bagger though. That's, Why not? Yeah, no. I got to keep point. the wheels on the ground. Or <laughs> tell the wheelie. Demetrius Tally says, "Let's talk about these streets." The streets. The streets. Oh. Well, a long time ago, a long, long, long I, time ago. I kind of heard some of these stories, so let's get into one or two of them. Long time ago. Um. So the streets. Yeah, I started out. Um, a couple of buddies dealt with uh, George Bryce. I don't know if you guys heard of him. Um, built some pretty big motors and I was kind of dominating the streets of LA and we took my talents elsewhere. We raced, excuse me, we raced over in Georgia, did some damage there and just kind of. So that's where you cut your teeth, right? As you started racing in the streets. Literally, I started in the streets, yeah. um, took it from there and went pro after some years later. Yeah. And it was, um, I think people were probably ready to see you leave the streets yeah it's still to this day which i don't do it much anymore right i mean i have a lot riding on me so um yeah they were tired of me winning. yeah i mean i was winning for years it wasn't just at a particular time but you know i had to take my my lumps and bruises sure. in the beginning you know i was getting beat up pretty good but after a while you get tired of getting beat up and right. you start doing the beating up there you go <laughs> yeah so you started winning they didn't want you around going pro is good anyway Yes, I can say it, it was it was an adventure for me um, when I did go pro. It was. So yeah. that was 2013? Um, it was right. actually 2013. I received my license. I went to Frank Holly's Drag Racing School in Florida in February, which I actually heard about the school from Antron Brown's dad. Coincidentally, I'm at a race talking to a guy, not even knowing who I'm talking to, looked up to Antron since I was about 14. Yeah. Not knowing I'm talking to this guy's dad. Right. He's filling me out, giving me all this information. I go to the school in February. Um, I had a I had George Bryce and Frank Harley as my instructors. So George said, you know what? You, you don't have any fears. You don't have any of these things going on. You know, let's give you one more shot, come back. And I think you have what it takes and came back, dominated my class and went pro. Wow. So this is drag racing motorcycles. Yeah. This is drag pro stock motorcycles. So you started right there. Right. And literally had no experiences, never rode a big tire bike ever in my life. Uh, just kind of just went at it freestyle. Yeah. And what's like top speed on that? Um, now these days, yeah. uh, they're over 200 yes. miles an hour in, in a quarter <laughs> in mile. A quarter. Yeah. You're talking about under six seconds. So wow. it's, a, it's a big difference. Visors up a little, your eyes are just immediately wet. Honestly, you actually, <laughs> before you leave, you want to crack just a little just bit, a little. get some air. But when you leave, the G's close it for you. Oh so, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, but That's yeah, crazy. it was, it was an adventure. I mean, it was something that 
I honestly enjoyed I enjoyed that ride more than one would think. Yeah. Yeah. It was very violent, but once you get over the violent part of it, it's easy. Wow. Yeah. I'd have a hard time getting over the violent part of it, you know, because I we've been we've had built bikes, but nothing major. But we've been on the road and, you know, 120, 130. Yeah. And it's moving. No, for sure. You're on a bagger and you've got gear. And you're, that's fast. And then when you sure. slow down to 80, you feel like you're not moving. No, for sure. I mean, but you got to look at the difference with the baggers now. And baggers, yeah. I mean, the fag is the fastest bagger right now is a seven second bagger. So, I mean, times has changed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's not your grandfather's bike anymore. And so what's the season like for you? Are you going back in this year? What? No, I, think you're I honestly, changes, um, right? yeah, I've made a few changes. I've been doing more of the bagger drag racing um, as well as working with Harley. Yep. So um, that's been huge for me. Outside of that, um, just hanging with my boys and um, focusing on them because they're the up and coming. And you have two boys, ages right. and names. If you want to say the name, no, 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 no. To. Ryder Fury is four, um, <laughs> and he's oh lord, he's the terrible one. <laughs> right. But uh, Jaden Reed, he's sixteen. Um, they both ride. Um, and Jaden has an Instagram account. Yes, right? he does. He's a stunt rider. Yes, he's a stunt rider. He does music videos. He does it all. So. Um, he is the up and coming. I do work with him a lot. Um, I look forward to getting him into drag racing. I don't push it on him, right? You know, but if that's something he chooses to do, then well, you so, showed us some videos yeah. of your little one and him as well. So both of them, yeah, right yeah. on. So yeah, being yeah. a father, mm -hmm. I mean, I had a son that did motorcycles and bikes, but I didn't ride at the time he was doing that. Mm -hmm. So you're riding, mm -hmm. and your sons were riding. Mm -hmm. How do you find the time to? Focus and help them, but yet do your gig because your gig's important. You got to do it for sure. Um, in recent time, I found it in me to take a quick second because I want to see if they're passionate about it as if I was. Back then, I didn't need nobody around me. I did it all by myself. So, like I said, I don't push it down their throats. It's something that I put in front of them. If that's something they choose to do, then we'll do it. So I kind of let them lead the way and then follow, That's good. you know, yeah. that way I won't interfere. Yeah. And, you know, cause you got like football, you got some dash. Oh, you're going to be a quarterback. Right, right. And no, I want to be a scientist. Right. So right, I mean, right. you gotta, you know, 100%. Look at that. yeah. So I, I try to make sure that if there's a balance there, you know, okay. You may like what I do, but I don't want that to just be your lifestyle because that's something I chose. I chose my path for a reason. And the cool thing that you know that, is that you you're relaxed with it and your sons will either love it or they won't do it. Right, right. It's either or. It's yeah. either or. Right. I like we that. It's weird when we sit here. Drew tuning in. Hey Drew, what's up? You My know what's man, weird? Drew. You know what's weird for me sitting here? It's like when you and I started riding and we were just riding for fun. And so there's three guys here that were doing something that they loved out of passion. And now we're all doing this. Four guys. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're all doing this. Is that water? Yeah. Now we're all doing this for what we do for a living no, in life. And we're, we're working with whoever thought we'd be able to pick up the phone and talk to people at Harley. And we're I mean, not even just that. Like, I've met people in drag racing world that I once watched on TV. Like, I'm really close friends with Angel Sempe, you know, you know, from Andrew Hines. Like, these guys I watched on TV and looked up to, and now I could pick up the phone and say, Hey, what's going on? Right. So, well, and, and even more than that, I, I 
it's great we can call Harley, but now it's great we, we can, can call each other. Yeah, right. You know, and yeah. that trip, I think, did did a service for us because it allowed us not just to be on a set somewhere. It was getting to know each other for three or four days. That was and great. breaking bread and having a good time and, no, and riding together. Seriously. You know? And the trip he's talking about is we, a bunch of us, there's probably what, 30 of us? It was exactly 30. 30, with 30 of us. Mm -hmm. Maybe the company's employees. We were invited on a trip with, with the, the people from Harley Davidson, their top people went riding with us. So we not only got to know and meet new friends that do what we do, but we got to meet all the people we talked with. We got to really learn a lot about each other and they're really passionate about riding and we all, it was great. It was really great. Oh, for sure. Well, there's a couple of stories we want to dig into, but I think the first one I want to get into is I text Drew earlier and I'm like, Hey, give me some dirt on him. <laughs> and, no dirt yet. No dirt yet. No dirt yet. He told me a, a, a secret, but I, I just won't divulge it. Okay. <laughs> Keep the secret <laughs> for right now. Keep the secret. But, but he did mention it's kind of a cool story how you got involved with Harley and how that took on its own no it, life, it, it, you know? it was it was very cool it was um very very unexpected from drew um like i said me and drew going back to junior high school um our families literally kind of was across from one another um my dad my dad my mom's place was across the street from a great friend of his grandfather in which they were ride harleys from the defiant ones and the names were peewee and fred so back then of course <laughs> we were into rice rockets or, you know, sport right. bikes during the time. Right. So, you know, that wasn't our thing, but it was just always in our eye. Always there. Yeah. So, and then moving forward, you know, me and Drew um, always had this passion for bikes and it grew into with the Harley world and moving a lot more fast forward. Um, Drew caught me last year, March. And it was so random. He was like, well, actually, he texted me and he said, call me. I said, OK, I called him. I was like, what's up, bro? And he was like, man, I got something for you. I was like, well, what's going on? He was like, I got something for you. He wouldn't really disclose <laughs> what it was. He just said, I got something for you. Would you be interested? I'm like, yeah. He was like, it got something to do with racing. I said, OK, well, just let me know. He said, I'm going to give some guys your number. So um, I was supposed to meet for the commercial on my birthday, March 21st. Didn't happen, so it got pushed off. So I'm like, bro, what, what do you got me you know, going to? <laughs> so finally, he kind of like, man, well, it's Harley Davidson. And in my head, I'm like, oh, okay, a quick Harley commercial. Didn't think nothing of it. And um, I remember they called and they said, hey, um, do you have a son that rides motorcycles? I said, yeah, actually, I do. They said, well, can you bring him with you? I said, yeah, I can do that. Still, this is over my head. I thought nothing about it. And I remember this big old guy, deep voice, walked up to me, John Kane. Yep. He walked up to me, he said, are you ready to read? I said, yeah, man. And he said, okay, well, walk this way, and we're going to introduce you. So, mind you, I've been on sets before, but this right. set was a lot different. Right. Everything was blacked out. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. I'm like, what's going on? Moving forward, it was the Fast Johnny. Uh, Never knew in a million years that my face would be on Harley. Ever in a million years, I would have thought that. And not only was it just my face, but my leathers. Right. You know what I mean? Those leathers, you know, were made to me and fitted to me and it has my name plastered. You know, right. I didn't That's expect awesome. that. And I remember 
we were doing wardrobe and had a huge wardrobe. And I remember John walking over and him saying, you know what? Wear your leathers. I want you to be yourself. He was like, I'm going to just make this executive call. I may have a job. I may not have a job when I get back. And that's how it ended up happening. And and your son got in. It. My son got in. And he was in the commercial with me. It was huge. It was a huge moment. Um, shout out Bernardo uh, Caravan, yep. uh, Michelle. They really put that together. And it was it was a very uh, touching moment because I was able to work with my boy. Yeah. So, yeah. It's all awesome. about family, right? No, seriously. And it was like comfort. Like I never was uncomfortable in right. no shape, form or fashion. Aaron uh, Brimhall, he was a crazy guy. I love him to death. Him, Spencer, like everybody on that set made it comfortable. Literally, we shot that that shoot for six hours straight at one point, just pure riding. Also, I met Ray Ripple there. Yep. I met a lot of talent there that I wouldn't have expected to have meet. met. Ray's cool. Oh, Ray is Did so Did you cool. hear his story about Aaron? No. We were on so set, we're too. So we in Echo, Utah, mm-hmm. filming. And um, there were, they probably had six photographers mm-hmm. in the back of a truck on a platform. <laughs> and we're rolling around. Kirpius was there. Aaron's there. Just mm-hmm. a bunch of, you know... Uh, talent very talented people and we stopped and i got to talking about how i grew up in salt lake near the area mm-hmm. and he's like oh you did where where'd you go to high school and i said i went to highlands and i said your last name's brimhall is your dad eric and he's like yeah and i'm like what <laughs> also it's a coincidence yeah yes. yeah i said text him and tell him that you're doing some work with me and he's like so he texts him and he says, oh, my God, my dad said he hasn't seen you since graduation night. <laughs> <laughs> but what a small world. No, seriously. You know? And he's seriously. a serious photographer. Let me tell you, I seriously underestimated those two guys yeah. because they're so silly. There's never a serious moment between right. them. They got to have fun out there doing what they're doing, you know. I've been on a few shoots with those guys, literally. And the material that's done after the jokes yeah it's unbelievable (laughs) one of my most iconic pictures is from them too on fast johnny and they were laughing hanging out of a back of a i don't want to lie to you it was like a subaru or something like that hanging upside down people wouldn't even imagine that that shot was taken like being jokingly funny well they did a picture in the back of the truck in utah and they staged it and they were on the side of the road they weren't even driving Mm -hmm. All five of them, they were hanging out, and we posted it and on the Instagram. And yeah, you had a bunch of them. Yeah. And then they they called or texted and said, hey, what's that? Or the guys in the truck were, like, getting in trouble. Like, wow. And they're like, we weren't even driving. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, okay. They didn't know what the, the scene was. But it, but that picture wasn't when they were driving, but we were driving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they're hanging out. They're harnessed in. Yeah. No, they were they harnessed in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they're right on your face. Yes. And, and I remember at one point in time in Fast Johnny, I was pretty much damn near touching the oh, bumper. Yeah. And are they telling and you? He's to do like, it? yeah, and I'm I'm listening to the mic. Oh, you're good right there. And I'm like, I'm almost feeling the tire rub the bumper. Right. You want me to still go? You better not stop the <laughs> literally, <truck. laughs> literally. No, let me tell you the crazy thing. We had a blooper. One of the cranes gave way oh. on one of the speed action shots, and I'm flying behind the crane, and the camera just 
falls on the track. So oh. literally, I had to like run from the camera. It was, it was rough. <laughs> I've seen videos rough. of cameras falling. No, yeah, it was rough. Well, we did a shoot two years ago, and the Wyman brothers were there, but we were on PCH, mm-hmm. and they had the Porsche with the big boom on it. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. That's crazy. Yeah, that's the one. That guy just flies, and there's he, four, he's four a driver. guys inside doing the stuff. Yeah, he's a driver. Yeah, for sure. Really crazy. So you mentioned Ray Ripple. Um, we had her on the show. Uh, we actually personally met her at Born Free, which was really cool. And what a what a story she has, and and the knock on the door. And you know, this wasn't so long ago, and she was thinking about some some other things that would take her life and mm-hmm. thank God she didn't. Seriously. And she's still here and she's still being a creative badass female, just kicking, kicking butt everywhere. Um, there's an energy and a passion in the way you ride. And that's probably coming from somewhere, right? It's very deep, mm-hmm. very so deep story. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. Or? Sure. We can get deep. Um, so it, it, it narrows back down to when i was a kid um six and seven six i was molested seven i was raped um and tuning back to that um i went through a very dark time in my life from the point of seven to about mm, 18 19. um it was hard it was hard because i didn't tell anyone you know nobody knew that this happened to me i didn't tell my mom i didn't tell my dad i didn't tell anyone and I held this for so long because growing up when this was happening to me, um, it was to the point where I had two choices, tell or protect my family because this person would say, hey, I'll kill your family. I'll do whatever. So in my head, I'm like, OK, if you're going to kill my family, no, I'd rather just suffer. Right. So I went through this pain and I didn't have any cure for it. So I remember during the time um, he actually became a brother-in-law, um, he put me on a dirt bike. I was maybe eight at this time, and I'm still battling with this this trauma. Um, and it was just something about when I got on that bike. It was just something about it. It was your freedom. It was like I was away. I didn't fear. I didn't. I just didn't. I didn't have any feelings. I didn't think about this stuff. None of this. So. Of course, I'm eight years old. I'm a kid. I'm not knowing what I'm thinking. Right. Um, so then as time progressed, um, I'm still in my head. I'll, I'll get over it. I'll get over it. But the more I kept saying um, I'll get over it, I was getting worse. Right. I was getting darker. So um, moving forward, um, some years, my mom, dad end up getting married. We moved to uh, from we moved from Watts, California, um, which was in a very. Uh, Hard areas of um, central California, South Central California. Yeah. Um, so we grew up kind of unfortunate um, and very rough backgrounds. And so, um, with that being said, just to add a little bit to the story, I was around the gangs, I was around the drugs, I was around it all. So between me having this this battle with being sexually abused, me making a decision whether I want to be in gangs or not. You know what I mean? Rather, I want to do other things outside of walk this chalk line. So moving forward, like I say, um, my dad, my mom get married. We moved to Gardena, California. And 
it was at that point in time, you know, I was still battling with this depression, but I just had this infatuation with motorcycles. It was just this infatuation of seeing them go by, hearing them, whatever the case may be. Um, so then at this particular time, I'm about, mm, about 10 or 11. I had my first motorcycle. Prior to that, I had go-karts. Everybody had go-karts, but it didn't do it for me. So my first motorcycle was a YSR, Yamaha YSR 50. It was an 88. And i never forget, I get on this bike, and um, my dad never taught me anything. He didn't teach me how to release the clutch. I kind of figured it out on my own. But I had a kind of a burning desire to figure this out because I knew this is what I needed. Right. Because I was very depressed as a kid. I was dealing with so much. Um Moving forward, I learned how to ride this bike, and um, it was it, it was a breaking point for me. It was like, okay, I don't feel so depressed when I go ride this bike. I don't feel so down when I ride this bike. So then moving forward, there was a guy around the corner that um, I looked up to, and I'll never forget, he had a GXSR 1100, a 92 to be exact, and it was stretched, lowered, and i never forget, I was... On our on on my street, it was a T. So on the T Street, it was a street called Hoover, and it was about I would say about a quarter mile to a mile long. And I would hear him fly down the street. So I'm like, damn, like I want to I want to see this bike. So finally, I get an eye on this bike. He flies by, and now I have an image in my head what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So this guy's flying by, he's flying by with women on the back, William, he's doing all of these things, but not knowing this little kid is standing at the corner watching. The inspiration. Right. So Hmm. it gives me more um, fire under me because I'm still dealing with this trauma. It's still not not something that I've dealt with. It's still not something I've talked about. So as I'm seeming to get better, I'm getting worse because... I'm not understanding what I'm up against. This is a whole different beast that many people deal with in silence that don't talk about it and are afraid to talk about it. And for me, it was just like, well, I'll just get over it. You know what I mean? I'll get on these bikes. I'll I'll get past it. And um, moving forward, um, I start really looking up to this guy. His name is Ron. And I'm like, man, I want to be like this guy. He do burnouts. I'm over there watching. Like, how the hell is he doing that? So it was just everything that he was doing. I'm like, okay, I want to do it. But I never wanted to ask how to do it. And this particular guy, you know, he was, he was, you know, had his way about himself. You know what I mean? Not too many particularly kids would have wanted to be around this guy. Right. You know what I mean? But it's just the way he rode this motorcycle was what I was interested in. And so moving forward. Um, yeah, I, I ended up learning some things on my own and I would ride the hell out of this YSR 50. <laughs> so moving forward, um, got into high school, um, the depression worsened really bad. I got hooked on sleeping medicine. I didn't want to go to school because I'm taking these medicines. Nobody knowing what's wrong with me. You know, I mean, I just I just never want to wake up to go to school. Of course, my mom is hollering to the top of her lungs. Get your ass up, go to bed. You got to go to school. I didn't want to do it because I was dealing with all of these things that I was dealing with in my head. I was feeling 
just ways about myself that I didn't understand. I was I was blaming myself. I was um, beating myself up behind it. And so it got to the point where my depression worsened. You know, I, I wasn't doing great in school. I was really behind and it was all behind, you know, every day I dealt with this vision mm-hmm. of what happened to me. So it was just one of those things where I'm like, okay, I kept telling myself, trying to talk myself out of it. I'll, I'll get through this. I'll get better. I'll get, and each year it got worse. So then I remember about 17 it started to come to a head. You know, I was just very depressed, very, very hard on myself. Um, I didn't understand it. You know what I mean? I was just, um, just like I said, in a very dark space. Um, I did try to commit suicide. Um, didn't work. Um, it was, it's one of the creepiest stories I can tell is I did put a gun to my head and pull the trigger and it didn't go off. Wow. So, um, it's, it's, it's creepy because um, I knew I had a purpose. So moving forward, um, I'm, I'm still beating myself up. I went through so many different traumas, even relationships, everything was just rough. You know what I mean? Everything was just rough. I was just very depressed. Um, so then I finally, uh, I met a good buddy of mine who he passed away, uh, 18 years old. I finally, I'm riding now sport bikes. I'm kind of doing my own thing. Um, but my depression is at an all-time high. So my desire to ride these bikes crazy was more of a kamikaze. I yeah. was trying to kill myself. right? But instead of killing myself, I taught myself, which sounds crazy. But um, I'm glad you taught yourself. Right, right. right. No, seriously. Um, so... Going back to that, I never forget. Um, my buddy asked me, his name was Keon, Keon Hammock to be exact. He was like, Bro, like, why is it like when we hang out, you're just dark, you're like, you're mad, like, you're just angry at the world, but when we go riding, you're fine. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. So, um, this particular day, our families were hanging out with each other, and uh, we were in a garage, and I told him, and he looked at me, and he was like, like he didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. And I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do, man. Like I'm on a dark end. Like I don't want to live anymore. Like I just, just, you know, this is where I'm at. You know, I just, I'm tired. You know, this is depression. Like, why did I have to go through this? I was a kid. Like right. why, why? Right. <clears throat> so um, he was like, you know what? We're going to figure this out. I don't care what it's going to take. We're going to figure this out. The very next day he died. No way. Yeah, he died in a motorcycle accident. He oh, was man. he was doing a wheelie down um western and got to 84th and a lady cut her off, cut him off. Hit hit the car, broke every bone in his upper body. So I'm now in an even darker stage because how my, old were you at this, this point? This is about 18, 18. About 18 now. So the only person you've told the day before he and died you let in your secret day. out. He died. That you held. He he passes away. And now, mind you, this is from seven years old. Right. Now, 18. So, um, he dies. Um, now, I don't know what to do. Um, I didn't believe it. Go there. See everything laid out. Um, so, then, crazy thing. During the time, um, I'm driving. It was a girl I was dating during the time. I'm driving her car. 
And um, you know the movie I'm Gonna Get You Sucker? Mm-mm. No? Okay, there's a there's a pimp in the movie with these platform heels. Uh-huh. So just remember this pimp with the platform heels. All right. So this was maybe a week after he died. Um, I'm driving her car. And I was out this way. I was on Lassen and... Let's say I was in Lassen. I, I can say Lassen was one of the streets, I, as I recall. And I blank out, run a red light, hit a car. Wow. Because I'm so in my head. Right. So I remember it was a it was a huge accident. Um after the accident, I remember this guy, because I got out, I checked on the other party. It was a lady, she was hurt. So I said on a curb and I just put my head in my head and I'm just crying. I'm just crying. And he was like, Hey, you know, are you okay? And I was just like, no, I'm just like, man, I, this is not good. You know, um, I, I don't expect nothing good to come from this. Mm-hmm. And I remember I looked up at the guy's face and I remember laughing with tears in my eyes. And he was like, what are you laughing at? And I was like, Hey, you're the pimp from, I'm going to get you something. <laughs> no. Right. Really? So we're laughing, we're going back and forth and he was just like, you know, oh. it's going to be okay. You know? So, he was like, um, can I ask you something? I said, yeah. He said, what are you going through? I said, man, I'm going through a very, we're very, very dark time right now. It's very rough. I went through a very hard, you know, childhood. Um, it's just rough. You know, I, I didn't never expect to even be here today. So moving forward, um, the cop came over. I never forget this. The cop walked over to me and he said, Hey, are you okay? I said, no, I'm just, I'm having a really rough time. I just lost my best friend. And it was just crazy. And I remember the cop saying, you know what? Everything's going to be okay. You know, the lady is already forgiving you. She don't even want nothing, nobody involved. She just want to go to the hospital and get treatment. That's that. So moving forward, um, this was two days later. Um, my dad, Walked up to me and was like, you know, what's going on with you? You know, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. My mom, I was, I'm extremely close to my mom. Um, and I told them, broke their hearts. Because they're the first thing they think, and me now as a parent, I understand. Where was I? Right. Why wasn't I, why wasn't I aware? Like, where, where was I to not help you? Why didn't I help you? And I'm like, it wasn't that you didn't do your job. It's really, you know. I was afraid because of this person's words or what they said or what they may do to me or to my family. So um, moving back to kind of some darker of the situation, um, like I said, I was hooked on sleep medicine because I couldn't sleep. Um, it's still to this day. It's not a day that I go by. It's not three hours out of a day. I don't think about it. Um, it got to the point where I just no longer wanted to be a part of the earth. You know, it was just like, I'm tired of dealing with this pain. Like why me? Why me? So I, um, I didn't want to talk to psychiatrists. I felt like at the end of the day, they're paid to listen to me. There's no genuine connection there or genuine concerns on my worry about. So at the end of the day, I felt like, you're textbooking me on how I feel and what I feel. So you can't give me a genuine answer or genuine solution to what I'm dealing with every day. Right. So um, 
I just beat myself up and my dad tried it. You know, he he did what he could at the best of his knowledge. And that was, you know, man, just get over it. And that's the worst thing you could tell somebody. Right. You know what I mean? You just you get through it. You never get over it. Did so you want to know where the person was? Um, I went looking for the person. Um, it wasn't pretty. Um, it it was to the point like I was not very nice. Like I went to the person's house, I've had guns, I, I just I wanted revenge, you know what I mean? And the more I, I sought out revenge and wanted revenge, it seemed like the worse my situation got. So um, the story got deeper, but I'd rather not say, but um, it just got very dark for me. And then, I, like I said, I, I went out to seek help. And I remember there was one psychiatrist that stood out. And when I talked to him, he said, you know what, you know, statistically, can I tell you where you are supposed to be in statistics? I said, yeah. He said, well, for one, are you on drugs? I said, no. Nah. And this is no offense to anyone. He said, but are you a homosexual? I said, no. He said, um, are you a pedophile yourself? I said, no. Nah. He said, are you on alcohol? No. He said, so what is your remedy? I said, motorcycles. So he was like, what? motorcycles. What is like, what, what He's you never mean? heard that. <laughs> like, what do you mean motorcycles? And I'm like, motorcycles. He said, well, I'm looking at your file. You don't want to be here. So I just want to sum it up. Can we just be two men talking? I'm going to put my book up. Let's just talk for five minutes. Give me five minutes of your time. I said, yeah. And he said, um, He said, um, you're doing good already. I said, yeah, I, said, I guess so. I guess I'm not on all of the lists, the list that you made out. I beat all of those odds. So I guess so. He said, yeah. And I said, yeah, man. I said, you know, I battled with so many depressions, emotions. Um, you know, I was angry at the world. Um, I said, I felt less of a man. He said, well, I'm going to give you one thing before you leave. And uh, I remember when he said it, it was clear as day. He said, uh, you feel less of a man? I said, yeah. He said, nah, bro, you've been a man since you was seven. I said, well, how could you consider that? He said, any man that take on that much trauma to protect their family or any person that take on that much trauma since seven years old, you've been a man since you were seven. 100%. Yep. So I'm like, whoa. Like, I had no more tears. I had, like, no more emotions, no more nothing. I'm like, well, I didn't look at it that way. Right. He said, yeah. He said, because I'm a victim, too. Yeah. 
I'm like, whoa. So for me, it was like. So you connected. Immediately. Him. Yeah. It was like, okay, I can, I can dig this. And I shook his hand. He gave me a hug. And he said, you're going to be okay. Read what Yoger just said. Um, for those listening, uh, riding with yogurt said, we need to talk, gentlemen. Eddie, I guarantee your story is saving lives. Thank you. The strength it takes to reveal childhood trauma is beyond overwhelming. You're not alone, and it's truly appreciated. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and just so you know, you your today. sister's on here. No, seriously. Gonna, I my help some people. To get to the root of it, my, my true, even with me and Ray, to talk about me and Ray. Me and Ray knew there was something. It was immediately me and Ray knew. And me and her hit it off immediately. I told her my story. We literally were getting in trouble, yelled at, because we wasn't working. We were too busy over there talking just about past traumas and how, how she got through, how yeah. I got through. And But for us to see ray and yourself that are like these true warriors that's mind-blowing for us to see because you are these people that have come out of this even if you're in it and living it you're living life you're you're riding you're building stuff you're raising your kids she's raising a family you guys are amazing yes and 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 like i tell people you know um for me to have gone out my way to like I say, I'm riding these bikes to hurt myself. Right. I love you, Dan. Uh, <laughs> you're getting a lot of good comments. Yeah. That's my sister. Love you too, son. Um, but no, at the end of the day, um, a lot of people do it for different reasons. A lot of people was racing for different reasons. I won so much because I raced with emotions. Every time I got on a bike, um, I was crying. People wouldn't know. I was mad at the world because I put this particular person in my face, and this is me hurting him. Yep. So that's why I won so much. You know, that was my secret to my my winnings. You know what I mean? It's just I really rode with my heart. You know what I mean? And everything I had in me. And like I tell people, I don't do this for cloud. I don't do this for attention. I do this because I want to be able to tell somebody that I went through this and you don't got to go to drugs. You don't got to go doing to hurt somebody else. You can find your niche, whatever that may be. Motorcycles may not be your niche. It was mine. Well, that's when we were talking in Santa Fe. I was like, yeah. Are, do you really? And you're like, I need to, I want to come tell my story. No, seriously, because at yeah. the end of the day, I was told, oh, you don't tell people this. Oh, you'll get over it. But at the end of the day, it's my story. But people, it's your story. And people, there's different cultures and classes and different things that go on when people feel like there's something shameful. And there's nothing shameful. It it wasn't a child's fault that someone did this. It's, no, seriously. And and for you to step out of your, your skin and, and tell us the story and tell people your story. Um, I mean, we respect that more. Yeah. But the thing is, is this saying to me, there is a little Eddie running around that's seven years old. Hundred percent. That need that. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. how I look at it. Yep. Yeah. I have a four year old and I have a sixteen year old. 
I look at them, you know, and I protect them with my life. So if I can give a little bit of me to help somebody else, whether that's this conversation today on this this podcast or going to talk to prisons, I I don't care. I just want the story to be heard because a lot of men won't talk about this. A lot of women won't even talk about this. So it's just like if I can make a small, even if I reach one person, I've done my job. We were talking about that today, and we're yeah. definitely reaching one. No, I for mean sure. one person, because at the end of the day, all it takes is that one person, because he's going to help the next person, and it's going to be a domino effect. And the great thing is, while you're telling your story and doing that, you're also living your life. No, seriously. and you're racing, and you're accomplishing these things that people respect. People look up to that what you're doing. And now you're telling the story to the people that don't know your story. And, and, and it's even, even more like, wow. Well, and it makes even, it even a little more probably meaningful for you as you had children. Because you don't know the depth and love of it until you have children. No, for it's sure. It's a whole different level. Oh, for sure. And then you think back, how could someone do that to me at that age, right? It's and sickening. When you have your own when children. I, yes, when I look at my own kid, say Jaden, for example, he's 16 you know, and looking at him at seven, like, how can you harm him? Right, right, right. Like, you're sick. Like, you, something is really wrong with you. But my story hasn't always been beautiful, neither. Right. Like, even going professional, my mom took three loans out for me to go racing. See, people see. She wanted to, all you the to glam succeed, too. The see, they see the, the interviews, but they don't know the behind right. of my mom. Damn, they didn't even have a house, but she made sure I was on the track. But I guarantee you to this day, your mom would say she would never regret one second of doing. But let me tell you, even in that instance, this is this is another deep situation, too. When I went to Frank Holly drag racing school, the second go around, George Bryce himself, his assistant and his wife, they put me into their um, lounge in the um the rig so george bryce kind of had a little bit of my history um because of the baggers he would build i would drag race them mm-hmm. i would street race them right um there was a guy named sammy that he dealt with and i would race his bikes for him um that's what really kind of got me my buzz in the streets of really like really being dominant um we sat in this lounge and I remember George walked up to me and said, Eddie, hey, Eddie, let me talk to you for a minute. I said, okay. He said, so let me ask you a question. I know your background. You have no track experience. You have like nothing. So, you know, you know what got you to this? And I broke down and told him the story. Mm-hmm. He's bawling in tears. His wife bawling in tears. We're all in his line of crying. And he said, you know what? I'm going to postpone your class. Now, mind you, um, there's a guy that's still riding pro stock to this day. It was Ryan Oler. And I think that was it. Ryan Oler, he actually, is, like I say, he's riding pro stock to the day. Um, he was another pretty good uh, candidate in, in a class. So I'm in this lounge and I said, George, let me go ride. He was like, no, you're crying. You're emotional. I can't let you ride like that because if something happened to you, you know, 
it, 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 it won't be good. This bike is way too fast for you to be emotional. I say, George, let me ride, please. Like, this is the time you want me to ride. And um, I remember getting on the track and right before they fired the bike up, you know, he's like, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, I closed my visor. Don't talk to me. When I get on the bike, I get kind of agitated because now I'm in my head. Yep. And I remember I ran this time and it was one of my, it was, my second to the last pass to get my professional license to go pro. I do this. I make the pass. This is the time. It was 7.77.7 7. 7. at 161. I come back. It was a beautiful run. So George come back and he was like, whoa, like nice pass. Okay. I said, but just leave me alone. Just don't bother me. Just let me go. Don't talk to me. Like, let me go back. He said, now this is it. You know, this is this is the do or die. This is going to make it whether you go pro or not. So it was Frank Hawley, the actual, um, the main instructor of the school, who the school is named after. Then it was George Bryce, both of their wives, and it was the entire class. I was the only one running up for, for the uh, pro license. And um, he said, you sure? I said, yeah, just let me go. Like, leave me alone. I ran a 7.77.7 7. 7 at 162. No. All sevens again. Really? So he looked at me. You should have played the lottery that day. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, he just said, he, he, during the time he was sitting, these um, kind of a, um, Indian style type of uh, sitting. He was just sitting there like, wow, like I just can't believe this just really happened. And so... End up getting my license. So fast forward, there was a guy named Michael Ray. He's actually a, a, a pro stock motorcycle rider too. He calls and he's like, hey, man, I got this deal for you. I said, okay, cool. So during the time, now, now let's process, go back a little bit. My mom is taking a loan out for me to even get to these schools and all of this type of stuff too. But I had a friend when I told him, and I have to mention him on here. And I, he's probably going to be mad. <laughs> um, I told him, I called him. I said, man, you'll never never believe what just happened. This is when I went to the Winter Nationals. I said, man, I met Antron Brown. Like, oh, my God, this has been my idol all my life. Right. Uh, he, they're giving me the information to go to this school to get my pro license. I didn't have a dollar. Right. He said, well, come meet up with me later. I said, okay. Without asking, without saying, I just told him the price. He handed me the money. Wow. Didn't ask two questions. Didn't ask when you're going to pay it back. Go do what you're supposed to do. Here you go. So now let's go back a little bit before that. My first national um, event, Pomona, I had a guy named Lionel take me. And I'm looking at the pro stock motorcycles go down the track and I wish he can tune in, but he will outright say it. I looked at the track and I stared at the track for about 30 minutes and I looked at him and I said, that's going to be me. Moving forward, the guy gave me the money. I went to school, got my pro license, 28 days, some of the happiest days of my life. My dad died suddenly. Massive stroke. 
brain aneurysm. Me and my dad had a very, very, um, how can I say it? It was, a, it was a, he didn't have a father, so he did the best he could. But our last two years of hanging out was the best two years, which I wish it would have been a lot sooner, but it taught me so, so much about how short life is and cherish your loved ones. How old was he? He was 55 when he passed away. Young. And I never forget, as, as creepy as this sounds, he gave me my fire. My dad hadn't said he loved me in some time. When I got to my last course of Frank Harley, when I got my pro stock license, I remember he called me and said, hey, son, I love you. That's awesome. It was a fire. It, he lit a fire because I had went out throughout the streets looking for what I what I wanted from him. Right. And he didn't know how to give it. I was battling with everything that I was battling with, but he was just trying to be the best father because he was the, the best provider there was. We, as far as making sure we had things, he went above and beyond, but I just wanted the friendship. Right. And that's why I strive so hard with my boys. But moving forward, when he passed away, prior to him passing away, it was just a coincidence we had a conversation. And um, he said, um, you know, I got to ask you a question. I never asked you. I said, what's up? He said, um, do you be scared on those motorcycles? I said, no, nah, dad. I said, let me be honest with you. If I'm going to go, this is the way I want to go. I said, I don't want nobody taking my life. I want to go at 300, 400, whatever miles an hour it is. No, I got a smile under my helmet. Right. And he said, well, no, nah, son. And I, this is creepy. It's just giving me chills. I want to go first so I can always be by your side. Wow. Two weeks later, he died after this conversation. Wow. So here I am again, getting beat up. Yeah. So I'm like, damn, I can't get a break. <laughs> so finally, like I said, we move forward. Um, you know, I get past that. I had said at one point in time I was done riding. I was done racing because that was just like a gut blow for me losing yep. him. Um, then I had it in my head like, no, I still have my little one. You know, I have to, you know, I had him at 23 at this point in time. I'm 28. Um, I'm like, no, I'm going to go after it. So this guy, Michael Ray, called and said, hey, man, I got this deal for you to ride. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go do it. And Let's make it happen. So I had to go to Louisiana. And when I went to Louisiana, I did good with testing these guys' bike. They ended up taking me to a, another test session where I had to ride an actual pro bike. I'm not going to lie, scared the hell out of me. Now, I can say this all right. My leathers was a little dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like, you know, take a minute to figure out if this is what you really want to do. I said, all right. I said, no, nah, I can't give up. I come too far. So they said, okay, there was a crosswind across the track, 20 miles an hour, 15, 20 miles an hour, give or take. And um, they said, if you go 7 oh anything, we're going to the Gator Nationals. This would be your first national event. I said, okay. And I went 7.04 exactly. And they said, let's go to the Gator Nationals. Got to the Gator Nationals. This is one of my most proud moments I've ever had in my life. I had an interview with National Dragster 
And during the time I was um, living with my mom, she was in Compton. We moved from Gardena to Compton. And for marketing reasons, they wanted to use Compton because it's never been used. They're like, no, keep Compton, you know, as your city of reference when they say, you know, hey, Eddie Reed from Compton, California. No problem. So I remember there was this guy from National Dragster. And he walked up to me and said, can I talk to you for a minute? I want to do an interview. I said, yeah. Never done an interview in my life. Mind you, I am terrified. I'm around people that I once looked at on TV. I don't know what to expect. And he said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. Excuse me. He said, what do you feel about losing? I looked at him. I said, losing? He said, yeah. So if you go out there today and you lose, like, how are you going to handle that? And I remember what? I laughed at him. Yeah, what kind of question? <laughs> but it wasn't about the race. I said, losing? I won. He said, well, what do you mean by you won? And I remember I reached in my pocket. I had $20 in my pocket. $20 to my name. My mom just took two, three loans to get me here. I won my race. Right. He said, well, how could you say that? I said, because everybody around me in here is, has invested millions. I got $20 and my mom took three loans out. Whether I win or lose on the track, it don't matter. I already won because I did something that I set myself to do. And really not many people have done from my background. You know, from the being in the less fortunate, from being around the gangs, from all of the things that many people steered me away from because they saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. So when I answered the question, he literally just put his book down and was just like, well, I think we're done. I said, yeah, because at the end of the day, I mean, it's I won. I can go out here and lose every race I've raced. But I once as a as a kid said this was something I was going to do. Once that I said it as an adult, I said it was something I was going to do and I did it. So regardless had I won or not, I felt like I was rich and I was a winner. When when did is have you told this story publicly at all? This is the private? first this is Genuinely, my first time talking outright. This is my first podcast. This is my first being open about it. Um, of course, we all had conversations. Yeah. Um, but this is my first time. Um, and and do you think you'll speak about it? Absolutely, because it's, there's a bigger picture. Like I like I tell people, I don't do nothing for the attention. I don't do nothing. I just want to help somebody right. because also I want he wants to talk more and help more. Yeah. Is, right. It's yeah. just, you know, I, I want to cut somebody time in half and give somebody a chance and not have to deal with some of the things that I had to deal with and beating myself up. And, you know, this can save somebody's life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like I said, I've done a lot of things that I can say that I'm thankful to be here because I was trying hard, but it just wasn't the time. You right. know what I mean? I had a bigger call and a bigger purpose. And as far as working with Harley to just go over to that, that was a dream in itself. Yeah. You know, I deal with, with Harley and they treat me like I'm absolutely family. You know what I mean? Like, and I tell people and they're like, well, why don't you street race? 
why would I go out there and make a fool of myself when I got a brand like this? Right. That's important in opening up doors, not only for myself, but Fast Johnny, they had my son with me. Right. It's a bigger picture than this. It's amazing what this industry, what this world, what motorcycles do. I mean, all the people that we've met in the last four years of this channel. I mean, it, we've met we've met a lot of people that have inspired us that are followers or subscribers. <clears throat> but we've also now met a lot of people that through the Harley stuff um, that have become friends. And yeah. And this so, is family. I'm yeah, sorry, I got this yeah, is this absolutely. Is, this is family. We have, and, and our family's grown so big. No, seriously, it's amazing. And the stories that everyone has, and it's just, it's, I mean, these two wheels that we've all ridden on brought us to this point, and and, and saved your life. Thought. Yeah, and who? I mean, and it's, it's. I'm sure it's not just saved my life. It's, it's saved plenty of lives. Yeah, not just for my trauma reasons but there's other reasons people have gotten on motorcycles and ran away from whatever it is they were facing 100 so it's at the end of the day it's it's one of those things that you know it's it's been a blessing to be placed on earth for so you're gonna do a tank signing i think with drew right yes on yes. the third or something yes we're doing the um that's actually on the third. We're trying to do something where they'll have a fast Johnny there and I'll do the signing, um, some autograph signing. Um, are you going to mention this there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So what is it? Is it a group of? Um, from my knowledge, I haven't gotten a lot of information, yeah. but I do know he has a workshop that we're going to do at California Harley. Um, and that's bringing in kids from different schools, yep. different genres, just trying to teach them you know a different avenue you know what i mean like i say it don't have to be the guns it don't have to be the drugs it don't have to be the gangs it don't have to be none of that just you know find your niche your lane you know what i mean as if i did and make something better of it yeah i think you should talk to those kids because oh, sure. they're they're sponges for information and and you know unfortunately it this stuff continues to happen it's happening you know, every day every day and and like I said, if I held it for as long as I held it, and just imagine that somebody is right now, even probably watching, that's that's scared to talk about it. And for example, there was a rapper that I was really, really, really into, and he just spoke about the same traumas. Like I, you would have never known, you know, that this guy went through this and it's just it's like a silent killer i tell people you know you just never know who's going through this who's going to go through this or who's going through it and it's just like my story for from me to the next person is just to help you know what i mean and whatever that may be you know what i mean i've even thought about opening up classes to teach the basics of you know drag racing and not only that you know have conversations I mean, we're getting so many Henry. incredible comments. Mom, I love you, son. We love you, mom. <laughs> that's that's my biggest supporter right there. That's one of many for sure. We love moms. We moms, love moms. Everybody needs a good mom. Man. We had shoot the chick. We've got uh, so many great comments. <laughs> yeah, my mom literally, she's been to, let me tell you about moms. Now, moms is almost like a sister. She's been to street races. She's been to every race. 
she don't care. She's coming. She's coming to support. And that's and, awesome. And I, I can't thank her enough for you know creating the man I am today. And one little thing I want I would like to say, even about all of this trauma, and some people have to come to peace with. I don't think I would be the person I was today if I didn't go through it because I've now come to peace with it. That guy that did that to me, God bless you. Cause I'm living good now. Well, it took a lot of pain and, and ache and now oh, you're in a place. Pain. Absolutely. It's still pain, but look where I'm at. Yep. And we've shared your joy and your pain. Literally now today. Literally. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's like I tell people, you know, not many people understand my story and it's not for everybody to understand. But I think the other thing about this, Eddie, is, I mean, you're a grown man and you don't have to say anything. But I you did and and you do and you are. And I think that will help a little bit of the release because when you talk about this, you know, someone's going to say that happened to me. I need to. Maybe I need to pull him aside. And I'm here. You know what I like, mean? I, I mean, it's just I so don't have incredible. all the answers. That's a gift that's like. Literally. And I feel like that's why I was blessed with the gift that I was, you know, gifted with, with learning how to ride bikes. I wasn't taught a lot of things. I was self-taught. So it's just like I felt like I was blessed and God blessed these hands to be able to do what I was able to do because of what i wanted to give back i may not have known that's what i wanted to do but he knew it right so at the end of the day it's like what i want to give to someone that's one person two people whatever if we got to sit down and have a conversation i've been there i know what those dark nights feels like i know what feeling less than feels like but you never quit you never gave up no but i i really I'm so thankful you met that th final therapist because he, he he brought the light to you. No, he did. He he really did. He made me understand my position. You know, what I mean, he made me understand that I was I was bigger. You know, and like how you and I and all of us and we were just you know talking about this, and I was so openly able to talk to you guys. I feel energy. You know, I'm big on energy. So are we. We like that. And I tell people I cry about it all the time. It's not nothing new to me. I'm still a man at the end of the day. Yep. Um, but I would say again, thank you. You might have broke me, my spirit at one point in time. You may have broke me. But but well, it created I, who you are today. Created a monster. And what's your next race? Is there another race coming soon? Yeah. Okay. So bagger Are racing. You're gonna go lighthearted now. Jeez. <laughs> well, Louise. well, you know, I, I, he's got this race still ahead of him. You stuck <laughs> well, in here, just like right, right. No, no, no. It, it's no big deal. You're um, going racing at the end of the day. No, I mean at the end of the day, um, we're gonna do some more bagger racing. Pro stock, I haven't done it some time. Pro stock is very financially demanding. Ah, God. It's it's it requires more financial backing than one would think. Would I love to do it? Absolutely. Um, but the bagger racing has definitely has its major ups, major ups. It's 
because it's a wild ride. I mean, when you ride a pro stock bike, it's predictable. When you ride a bagger, you don't know what the hell about to happen next. <laughs> and I mean, oh, I, I saw you riding the bagger. No, seriously. <laughs> right, right. Sorry to see you. That was yeah. pretty. That wasn't bad out of the box, no. was it? No, and, and I mean, I've never gone through any obstacle courses, so I don't think I did so bad. You did. I, mean, I may have. You cut even cut Danger Dan. Shout out Danger Dan. <laughs> Me and Danger Dan were wheel. on a ten thousand what high <laughs> elevation mountain side to side next to each other, dragging floorboards, and he would not get out of the gas, and I had to cut him off because I wasn't gonna let him win. Oh, that was so funny. Man, seeing that you rode up in the mountains, you're up there looking at the trees, smelling uh, the smells, and checking that out. And that's what we do. Yeah, we like to get out and find that and share that story with people just to see, get out and see it. And I'm glad you did that. That was honestly, I think that trip helped me a lot, believe it or not. And, um, as we call them, Jay Z, um, yeah. <laughs> thank you for that, you know. Um, Believe it or not, that was huge. That was a huge milestone. Um, who would ever thought a little kid from the ghetto would be sitting next to the CEO of Harley Davidson? Right. Next to that, at the 120th, 120th in Milwaukee, meeting the Davidsons. So it's just like all of these things I can sit and cry about, but if I'm a cry, I'm a cry happy tears. Yeah. Because I've been around with some people that I would have never imagined in my life to be around and rub shoulders with some amazing people like you guys. Well, we call it fate. Yeah. And and there's just something about it. Like you're supposed to be on this show because you're helping someone and you're helping many people and you were supposed to be here to say something about it. Seriously. I mean, I believe that. Seriously. Everything happens for a reason. I mean, that whole shoot of why we're here today. I mean, we've seen each other previously at that trip. Then follow up with this following event that we had, and look what happened. And then we're going to see you on the 30th. Absolutely. We'll be you're you're going to see me a lot more. <laughs> you're going to see me a lot more. So if you guys get tired of you me. You got a ride out here. That truck trying to split lanes in that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? But tough, it was 30 some degrees today. <laughs> so the way me and Code is set up, yeah, yeah, I couldn't ride, but I promise you I'll ride out. So you're saying you probably wouldn't dig a trip like we're going to take tomorrow. Or we're going to be. No. Now we're talking summertime. I'd rather be hot than cold. Well, you'll love riding a Sturgis then. Okay. We're going to ride. Well, that's, 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 that's warm. You know, that's mm -hmm. nice. We should grab Drew and we should plan a ride somewhere. No, for sure. Just to, even if it's a weekender. Yeah. No, exactly. for sure. Take a spin and go hang get out. Some content, yeah. Get some content. Him and Drew need to see what it's like to, to load their bags and go get in a motel and take another, you know. See, my bags has got air fresheners in it. That's as much as <laughs> my bag got. So, but no, once again, you know. We don't um, camp. Yeah. We, we find motels, hotels, you know. Oh, that's fine. You know, we're, we're fine. That's fine. Dan wants us to camp, but, you know, we've done it. Dan is dangerous. You can't <laughs> listen to Dan. Dan is a different type of animal. Yeah. But um, no, about Drew, man, um, really quick, you know, I really want to thank him. Um, he put me in a big position that um, was opening the doors. Yes, well, we yeah. love we love him. We love you. I mean, for him, it's opening up doors that I wouldn't have never imagined. And, you know, for him to be selfless yep. and put 
Like he could have put himself in Fast Journey. He could have said, oh, no, I'll ride it. But he flat out, I think it was Mitch during the time or um, Eric. He was like, oh, no, I, I can't do this, but I got a guy that can. So for him to do that, that was huge. Well, you know, the bike was actually a Fast Eddie. <laughs> it's going to be a Fast Eddie. I promise you that. I promise you that. But so, I, to, Back to your point with him. Right. Like, we've known him for a little bit, and, and it to me – um, he doesn't have to live where he lives and he doesn't have to stay down there if he needs to be. He could get out, no, seriously, but he's he's taking a different approach and he's helping these kids, and that's the that's selfless. And what you're doing by telling your story is selfless. Mm -hmm. And and if we can see some impact on some of these kids, to Hey, I can actually get a job. I don't have to sling dope. I don't have to do this stuff. I can do things another way. Mm -hmm. I mean, that there's no better investment than in our youth, right? No, seriously, I mean, because and he's he's doing that. Seriously, I mean, because like I said, the guy Ron, if he didn't take the time out to give me the time he gave me, he gave me a key to a fully built 1100 motorcycle at 13 years old and told me to go around a corner. I could have killed my damn friend. <laughs> but he gave me a chance along with a slew of other guys. You know, it, it wasn't, it was something my mom and dad used to always say it was a village to raise a kid. And I was the village kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was raised by so many. I was raised by the game bangers. I was raised by, you know, people that weren't very pleasant in the streets, but they had morals. Right. And they didn't want to see me go down those those same roads. So it was guys, you know, I'm a I'm a, I'm a name a few of them. There's a guy, Sammy. There's a guy, Charlie. Um, these are all a uh, guy, Greg, my uncle Craig. These are all guys that I didn't even have motorcycles, but they had it in themselves to say, you know what, you can ride my bike. I didn't have it. I didn't have the money to even afford these bikes, let alone fix them. But they took a chance. And that chance took me further to where I'm at now. Fantastic. So it's just like it it there's always a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it don't necessarily have to be, like I said, motorcycles. It could be painting, it could be music, it could be anything. You know what I mean? But what what my goal in life is is to use my platform on how I went about it and to give it to somebody else and let's figure out what it is your solution to your problems can be and let's let's make it happen you know life is still here for you you don't have to give up you don't have to go touch somebody else you don't have to go get on these drugs you don't have to go hurt nobody no find your niche find peace within yourself find peace in the situation and it's going to be hard i still battle with it every day there's not a like I said, there's not a day that I go by of my life three hours out of the day I don't think about it. But I have to keep moving. Right. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, my 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 true goal is to let this story be heard. And one day, you know, somebody tap me on the shoulder and say, Because of you. That's it. I don't I don't want any money. I don't I don't want nothing. Just tap me on the shoulder and say it was because of you. That's it. Well, we love that. Yeah, for sure. And mm -hmm. and for this being kind of your first public, we appreciate trusting in us to be able to say it here. 
Well, you guys didn't leave me no choice. <laughs> I mean, the, the blanket you guys gave me of love, respect, um, when we met was huge, you know, and I'll say that to the three of you guys. When, when we met at this last event, you know, New Mexico was, well, 120th was the introduction. Yep. New Mexico was kind of like, oh, yeah, we're cool. Palm Springs was different. Yeah. Palm Springs was like, let's talk about it. Yeah. And I felt it. And as you've seen, I was able to just freely talk about it with you guys as I'm freely talking about it on camera. So. Well, I know your family's proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's honestly probably one of the most. I mean, it takes a lot of strength to do what you're doing. And for you as a man to come out and tell us, that's even more of a man. Thank you. Well, when we first started this channel, where our thing was, we're here to inspire people to get out and find the open road and do this stuff. Mm -hmm. But it turned on us pretty quickly because we were out doing what we did and we were getting so much inspiration from people telling us, hey, my dad and I ride because of you guys now. My dad survived this. My my daughter and my myself, we get to do. People are telling us these stories that they started living because they were watching our channel. So now we got inspired by everybody to do even more. Right. So it's like, what a great what a great thing to have. And even know. down to Caravan, Michelle, um, Bernardo, um, John Kane from Harley, they were speaking of even want to do a documentary to go back into, you know, the areas of where I grew up in Watts, which was the Nixon Garden Project, well, near the Nixon Project, uh, near the Nixon Garden Projects, um, down to where this incident happened. To I, I hope they do it. Yeah. No, seriously, they, they're, they're really planning on doing this. Um, there's just a lot of things that's in the making. Um, and once I told them, I broke them down too because they couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? Because they were just like, how are you just able to be so precise when we actually do something on this bike? And I had to let them, you know, in on my story. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I just, at the end of the day, as I always say, I just, I just want to help somebody. You love living too. I do, but I love living on the edge too. <laughs> the edge is okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I like going yeah. fast, and, and there's something about going fast. Is your name Fast Eddie? I think so. <laughs> uh, well, well, there you have it. Fast Eddie loves to go fast. We love you, and thanks for spending the hour, two hours you it spent in traffic. If it was two hours, I wouldn't. Well, the, the traffic is something we'd never get over. No. We'll it, have it you back on the show, no, can, sure. you know, and you'll have some new stuff to share. For sure, because I got a lot of things up and coming, and. I look forward to coming back, even if it's just to talk crazy. Come hang out. Yeah, yeah. We just talk crazy. You're welcome in our our place whenever. No, for sure. Even if it's just hanging out and having a cup of coffee or a, a glass of Buffalo Trace. No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to the audience, thank you. I had a ball. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, thank you guys for joining the show. You know, um, our guests are so cool. They are cool. No. Yeah, they are no. so cool. How do we find no, them? I don't know. You guys are the reason <laughs> the guests get to come hang uh, with cool kids. I don't know. 
We love We're you all out there. Farts sitting huh? here. We're just some old farts. Uh, <laughs> peace. We're going to be heading to Flagstaff, and we're going to have some great stuff, but go back and watch our video from yesterday, too. Yep. And what's going on? We have a live going on, right? Yeah, next, uh, well, the 24th, I think we're going to be joining doing a live at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, our regular time. We're going to have Cycle Fanatics, Blockhead Moto, uh, just GQ and ourselves, and we're going to rap about some really cool things. And yes, sir. Be, we got a couple guests coming, too. In the next few episodes, yeah. uh, who's coming next week? Well, we have you said uh, Drew was com coming on. Drew's coming right? the twenty fifth. Drew's coming. Harley Drew's coming the twenty fifth, and we have the lead actor from the Mayans, JD. He's. We hope he's making it. Did he text back yet? He didn't text back okay. yet, but he's been talking with us. So next week, next Wednesday, JD Pardo, JD Pardo on Easy. the eighth. So. He's got some great stories about uh, working on the mines. Yep. And we will see, see you, you down, the road. down the road. Thank you, Eddie.